Welcome to our podcast, COP26 and the Journey to Change, a podcast brought to you by Visit Scotland's business events team. COP26 is all about change, the vital and necessary change we need to make not just as individuals, but as communities, countries and continents, the global journey of change to address climate change and its impact. In this podcast, we will be discussing how the issues of change and sustainability affect the business events sector, and also how business events can help bring about the change that we need. We will be questioning what we can learn from COP26 and what our industry can do to change itself. And we'll be examining the COP26 programme themes, including energy, nature, youth and science, to find those crucial intersections where business events can make a difference and help achieve the outcomes of COP26 and the UN Sustainable Development Goals. At Visit Scotland, we believe that business events are more than just meetings. We believe business events can be catalysts for social and economic change. As Scotland welcomes COP26, we welcome you to our podcast. Stay tuned, follow for new updates and enjoy. Welcome everyone, the session's about to begin. Please take your seat and make yourself comfortable. Please ensure your tea and coffee is topped up and feel free to shut down your emails and enjoy the session. Today, we'll be discussing World Leaders Summit, the venue perspective. To help us in our discussions, we're delighted to be joined by Don Lauder, Head of International Conferences, Scottish Event Campus, Amanda Rathel, Sales and Marketing Director at Edinburgh International Conference Centre, and Kim Stephen, Head of Sales, Conferences, Meetings and Banqueting at P&J Live. And our guest host is Rory Archibald. Welcome everyone and thank you so much for tuning in to this podcast brought to you by Visit Scotland. Kim, Amanda, Dawn, thank you so much for joining us from across Scotland. It's uh, delighted to have you with us. So COP is here, the World Leaders Summit is taking place and so what better time than to bring some of the leaders of our industry together to talk about all things COP, all things sustainable, all things social sustainable and how our industry fits in with that. Now COP is finally here but on the lead up to COP it has been a challenging time to say the very least. We've all been put through the ringer as is every other sector in the world and you know, looking from the outside as Visit Scotland and looking into what you guys have been doing, it has been a, it looks like there's been a phenomenal job of firefighting, of helping clients, of helping people. So why don't we just have a quick round table or just what have been your key priorities um, kind of over the last 18 months or so for helping those clients, everything from contracting cancellations to moving events? Have you seen anything coming out, any good news stories? What has been going on? And I'm looking around some smiling faces to see who the first victim will be. And I'm going to go straight to Kim at PNG Live. No problem. Well, you're right, Rory. It's been um, a bit of a roller coaster. And I'm sure everyone will say the same. The, the last 18 months have been wild. And, you know, no one saw that coming. Um, I think in terms of how we managed it in Aberdeen, it, 
you know, there was no rule book in March 2020 when we were, you know, sending colleagues home to say, you know, how long will this last? What, what will we do next type of thing? We didn't know what furlough was um, at that point either. The world has changed a bit. And I think we found certainly working with clients, they were under, you know, they'd underestimated the situation as well. Similarly, you know, we we thought we'd be back up and running come September 2020. And I don't think we were alone in that. <laughs> it seems to have been quite the diary juggle over the last 18 months. And I'm sure Amanda and Don will say the same. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you're right, furlough. <laughs> I think that's a word that none of us ever want to hear again. Um, but yeah, I still remember going home on that first day of lockdown. I think it'll be about three weeks. And yeah. here we are in November 2021, I think. it's went, Yeah. Um, so yes, um, interesting times. But coming out of it, you've already had events taking place in P&G Live. So absolutely. there's light at the end of that tunnel. Completely there is. You know, there uh, a lot of our clients, they, they made the move to virtual last year in order to deliver the event. Um, I don't think there was very many that will have got any size and scale of event last year. You know, there, there was no real sense of normality. Um, during 2020 but we've been fortunate to see that turn a little bit this year which is great um yeah. we reopened with renewable uk's annual event floating offshore wind um in september just earlier this year um and i guess there was an element of caution from them yeah. and from us yeah. it was our first event following being a vaccination center and actually you know coming back to face to face it felt brilliant and the clients saw a real uplift in their numbers as well which was brilliant to see sold out exhibition and numbers larger than they'd expected under the circumstances wow. so a real positive but also a real um i guess supporter in terms of you know we realized just how big uh, renewable energy is in scotland and people were out in force to support that yeah, and, and still that drive to come back to Scotland and come back to, to Aberdeen um, for, for those events. Dawn, um, thank you so much for giving some time up for us. I'm sure that you are one of the busiest people on the planet right now. But if you can remember what life was like before COP, how have things, or how, how did things go at the SEC? Yeah, much like Kim echoing what she said, it was a roller coaster. And it's quite funny now having. I feel like we have come through so much as a team, as an organization, um, as an industry. It sort of feels kind of funny reflecting back on March 2020. It feels like an awful long time ago. Um, and a, a bit like everybody, there was that uncertainty of what we were going into and for how long. Our priority was all about the people. So our team and our clients and how do we look after them? So it was help our people, our team to work at home and get them set up so that we could then support our clients to the best of our ability. From a priority perspective, we were really, it felt like the first three or four months of the pandemic, everything was really happening in date order. It was those events that were affected first that we were working with first. And then as there was greater visibility that the horizon was a quite a bit of an arc and many months away you then find we found ourselves then continuing to work with clients then sort of august september october 2020 um and it was a real case by case sure. approach because every event and and their circumstances were so different that as a team we were really learning on our feet because yep no rule book how do you survive a pandemic don't know what do you know <laughs> <laughs> um in thinking about or reflecting back on that period of time, 
I think there's two things that for me really stand out. It was the teamwork. It was those of us who were working really pulling together um, and supporting one another as we worked. Our, our day-to-day work suddenly became very different overnight. Um, at, and at the same time, we were dealing with changes in our personal life and our personal circumstances as well. So the team really, I mean, we're a tight team, but I felt like it just became even tighter as we were experiencing all of this together. Um, sure. And the value of the relationship with our clients, I mean, we've, we pride ourselves on having strong relationships with our clients. We're in this for the long haul, but the pandemic really brought into sharp focus the value of those relationships because we found ourselves having very open and honest conversations with our clients about what would work for them, how we could find a solution, what would work for us. And those conversations were they were able to happen in such a way because of the relationship that was there. And there were moments, I think probably some of the biggest highs in that period of time were the bond and that feeling of connection that we all had with our clients and being able to support them. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's definitely something we've seen across the industry is that we've never valued our teams and our people more than we have now and that we are we're, it's almost we're almost not an events industry, we're a people industry, we're a relationship industry, and, and the events yeah. is a byproduct um, of that. But over to Edinburgh and Amanda, you're another venue that was a vaccination centre, you're another venue that has had people through those doors finally after um, such a long time um, for, for an event, not for vaccinations. What happened in Edinburgh over those times? Yeah, do you know, it's the commonality of experience listening to my two colleagues across Scotland is amazing. Um, everything Kim said, everything Don said, we, we did that too. Um, and much like the other lady said, I think we thought we were going home for a few weeks. Um, <laughs> like genuinely did. Go, oh yeah, back in a few weeks, it'll be fine. Um, and quickly that realisation was that that was not the case. Um, and uh, I'm going to I'm going to say I don't like the word pivot, but that's what we all had to do. Oh and God, just, that um, actually gave me shivers. <laughs> I know, I, know I, I really don't enjoy it. Um, you know, it's, normally you would pivot when you wanted to, not because you had to. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we we quickly sort of actually divided our team um, and decided those that were going to focus on the future beyond this, and those that were going to deal with. Um, the here and now uh, yeah. with our customers and the rearranging and you know that difficult juggle that we all did to try and make sure everybody still came to Scotland and you know when people were going on the world of virtual which was right for some um, some of the associations and congresses we look after we were really keen to say perhaps just come back to Scotland do that but you know we just let's move forward and remember why you picked our destinations to start with yeah. and whether you're with us and 20 and 21 was the plan and now it's 22, 23, 24. Um, I think we've even got somebody coming in 28 now just because of the way the diary worked. But just remember why you were coming to Scotland and we worked as flexibly as we could. Um, The bonds that um, Don mentioned there, you know, we we laughed with clients, actually cried with a couple of clients because just the pressure was incredible for for everybody. Um, And we were all dealing with something we'd we hadn't really had any prep for, or not not the level of prep sure. that was required. Um, but as we said, we value our teams more, we value our relationships more. Um, and I actually think these events that we're now seeing, the delegates are valuing them more. Absolutely. It's, um, you know, we've, we've had four um, association events by now in September, October, um, and the depth of connection and the networking and the, the sheer joy of face-to-face and the value of face-to-face 
I, I think we only appreciate it more. Yeah, uh, no, 100%. And, you know, um, Greta had an article um, out a while ago and she, uh, she said that, you know, bringing people face to face is the only way that we can tackle global challenges. And I was like, oh, can we use that, please, with your name underneath for all of our marketing and things? Um, but you're absolutely right. And I think everyone's touched on the, the relationship point and the team point. Um, I think. Scotland has a does an excellent job with its client relations and the reputation it has internationally, but we now have friends for life um, that are maybe not even called clients anymore. They are friends and people that we talk to now um, outside of the working environment because we've come together under a global pandemic. But let me speak to um, Neil Brownlee, head of business events, on getting a manual put together for future global pandemics um, to help as much as possible for the next time, which hopefully will not be in our lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> Touching on your point there, Amanda, just about how you split the teams and you're and making sure we're looking to the future. And that leads beautifully onto the next question where back in March of 2021, uh, Scotland launched our Journey to Change campaign, which is aligned to the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. It's aligned to the um, aims and ambitions of COP26 in Glasgow. It's about trying to communicate that message about how transformational bringing people face to face can be and how um, you, you know, when you have world leaders coming together, you can solve a global challenge, you can fight um, world poverty, you can reduce inequalities, you can increase gender equality, not just in our sector, but across the way. And how do you anticipate event organisers, your clients, your friends um, reacting to that kind of messaging? Because I know that all of you and your own individual values functions reflect a lot of the values of that Journey to Change campaign. Amanda, I'll go to you first, if that's okay. I think Journey to Change is it's a brilliant sort of catalyst to bring us all together on a lot of the things we all did already as, as venues or as destinations. But for that to be the national message that we can all stand behind collectively um, and share our ambitions, you know, yeah. for a fairer and better world across many different places. And whether that's equality, diversity, inclusion, environmental, societal, you know, all those things really come together under that banner. And, and we were talking about it already. And, you know, some of those values are our core values in our business, for example. Sure, sure. Um, but, you know, we're, we're talking to a world stage. So talking as the ICC, which is part of Edinburgh, which is part of Scotland, and all our language connects and yeah. our ambitions connect, it's incredibly powerful. Um, and I think as you, you created that campaign, I guess, in the, in the lead up to COP and now it's here, and actually also the pandemic, if anything has strengthened, I think, society's ambitions to be a better, fairer place um, across many different areas. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, we were really encouraged to see it. And it's something, you know, we can use when we're talking internationally, we can use when we're talking nationally. And, you know, if we're not on a more sort of micro local level, then we can use what we talk about ourselves. Sure, sure. But the fact that there's commonality of language, I think is really important. So we were thrilled to see Journey to Change and are delighted to be part of that, I guess, and ambassadors for it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the common language thing is a really key point there because we're now talking a language that the UN uses, that all that our government uses, that all governments use. And therefore it makes trying to, when we explain what business events do for communities, for societies and for the greater good, it makes it a lot easier by kind of using that same language and tapping into what people understand. Kim, P&J has not been open for, for a huge amount of time. I mean, you opened and then pandemic, slightly unfortunate. You're 
you're currently in one of the most um, sustainable venues in the in the UK, if not internationally. How are your clients reacting to to that and the kind of the values of Journey to Change? Yeah, absolutely. It's been a tough time. So like you say, we were only open about six months, um, opened in September 2019. So six, seven months of business before we closed our doors, along with um, our um, counterparts across Scotland and further afield. And it was hard. Um, you know, we were just starting to get traction and really starting to spread the word about um, Aberdeen and PJ Live. And yeah, the, the response has been great. Um, we're really, really proud of the fact that the, um, the way in which we're powered with a two-part on-site energy centre Center. It's been brilliantly received from clients um, there's, there's no one doing anything like it in the UK at the moment. Um, and I'm not the most technical in the world, so I'll keep it layman's. But yeah, just having that <laughs> renewable energy source through the energy from waste plant and the hydrogen fuel cell plant, it's brilliant. Um, and I think, you know, if you if you look at the values of, of journey to change being people and planet first, um, actually, you know, together, you know, that people can make choices and, and we all can do that as individuals, you know, business events aside um, every single one of us can make choices to be more sustainable um, and I think where we come into play in terms of the venues across Scotland is helping educate the business events sector about what choices are available to them you know what suits their event how they can make small changes that all will mount up um, you know for the better and lowering their carbon event footprint and I think the way that PJ Lives powered um, allows them to do that, which is is brilliant. No, absolutely, and that's a, you know making those small changes is something because you know climate change and the climate crisis is you know an extraordinary thing for you know any one of us to get our heads around and you know, what do we do to to combat it by making those small daily changes on our own lives as well as our business life actually helps humongously if everybody on the planet was just to do these small step changes and it kind of breaks down what a global crisis into small manageable chunks that people understand and can get behind and are no longer scared or worried about what impact um, or how they can help um, reduce the impact they have. Don, you are, you know, for the next couple of weeks, are the epicentre of the United Nations and of the conversation with sustainability. How have your clients and your teams been reacting to that? Yeah, it's an exciting time, Rory. There's no denying it. It's a huge privilege. And I do have a couple of moments each week. I think it's going to go up to each day where it's like an out-of-body experience. And you think, how is this? <laughs> how is this happening here? This is incredible. It's, it is very exciting. Um and it was lovely to see the Journey to Change campaign launched um, earlier this year because it does speak to the narrative of what we believe in conference sales here at the SEC, which is business events being drivers for social and economic and environmental progress. But also, I think it speaks to the narrative of associations. You know, every event that takes place, every association conference has a purpose. It has a why. And associations have a why. They have a mission um, or a vision. And if you look at their websites, just about all, if not all of them, all of these associations, part of their why is to extend the reach and to educate mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and to to drive change and to, to drive positive change within their field. Um, and I think what Journey to Change does is it, this is similar to Amanda's point earlier, I think it pulls all of the strings together. You know, legacy is not a new thing for Glasgow. We have been doing this for, for years, way back from when we hosted European Respiratory Society in 2000 and something. 
But what Journey to Change has done is it's pulled all of the threads together, all of the activity together that's taken place into Scotland and packages it up really nicely to be able to demonstrate to organisers what hosting your event in Scotland can do for you. And I think where what what I have found in in um, in my career working with clients is that when we can talk their language, when we can talk in a way that supports their objectives and their goals, there's a lot of listening that needs to be done and active listening. It's that case by case thing again. It's like, okay, what is it you're trying to achieve? What are the challenges in your community at the moment? What tools do we have at the STC in Glasgow, in Scotland that can support you? You know, we're such a small country. It's great. And it, it, the phone lines are short. I say that a lot to people because it's easy to make those connections. And I think having a national organization speaking the language of our clients is incredible. And, you know, when it, it epitomizes, when I say the phone lines are short, the Journey to Change <laughs> campaign epitomizes that because I can say from a very local level from here in Glasgow up to to visit Scotland in the national level, we're right behind you. What do you want to do? Give us a challenge yeah. and let's see how we can help you drive change in your field. Absolutely. And it's, um, you know, our cultural assets are always going to be there and they're always going to still be a core part of who Scotland are, our own personal <laughs> identities, our own national identities. But, you know, the work that all of you are doing is giving that additional level of brand alignment almost. And if you come to Edinburgh, Glasgow, Aberdeen or somewhere else in Scotland, we can help achieve what your values are aiming to achieve. We can help achieve what your um, your the particular discipline is trying to achieve. We can help, you know, basically have that event make the world that little bit better after your delegates yeah. depart. And that adds in a value that, you know, quite frankly, and I'm very biased in this opinion, but only Scotland can deliver some of those because, as you say, we're a small country and we have the connections because of that, you know, with governments, with academic centres, with social enterprises, pro-social companies, and it makes it a lot easier to build those those kind of relationships. Um, so I agree. Yeah. And I think like we're, we um, and my colleagues here, we are fortunate to work in beautiful big venues in the bigger cities in Scotland. and. Um, and very often what we do can be felt at a national level. But I think some of the changes, it's a bit like what we were saying, it's it's the little changes that add up. It's not just ourselves in Glasgow and Aberdeen and Edinburgh that are making the difference. It's every business event that happens in Scotland and the world changes just a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And the accumulative effect of that is significant. And I, I, I firmly believe it talks to the personality of Scots. We're innovative. We like a challenge. So come and talk to us. Oh yes, our pioneering spirit has 100%. never wavered, and it will—it's only got stronger <laughs> after a global pandemic. Absolutely. Yeah. But with that, I think the serious conversation needs a little bit of break, and it's time to go and grab a latte, a cappuccino, obviously with soy milk, because um, we want to be sustainable. Um, so I'll see you in the break area. <laughs> where tea and coffee will be waiting for you. We'll see you back here soon. Don't be late. We won't wait for you. So I'm going to ask you a question, but I'm going to ask for the answer a little bit later because you might need to think about it in the back of your head and we'll do it as a quick fire round. But if you could choose three people, dead or alive, who you would love to have as a keynote speaker at an event that you attend, who do you think it would be? 
Now, don't worry, there's two other questions, and you, so you've got two questions time in order to think about who those three might be. And uh, Rory Archibald is absolutely um, perfect to have as one of them, don't worry about that. Um, but let's go for it. I mean, we are all travelling all over the place, things are opening back up, which is exceptionally exciting. Um, trade shows are coming online slowly but surely. But what's the one thing that you'd recommend people take to a conference or a meeting with them in your experience? Dawn, what do you think? A refillable water bottle. Oh, good answer. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I came into the office last week and I'd forgotten my water bottle. And it was akin to forgetting my laptop. I was... <laughs> <laughs> I talk a lot in case you hadn't noticed, so I'm always drinking water. So yeah, that's my, that's my number one tip. And snacks, always snacks. Oh, of course. Well, deepest, darkest Winsboro, where I live, I have you have free branded of an SEC water bottle everywhere I go. And when I go Aww. to my yoga class as well. Uh, Amanda, what about you? Oh, now, this might be a little bit more for one gender than the other, which it's not meant to, but flat, <laughs> flat shoes. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. I, as a woman, the pandemic has been a revolution. And you know, I'm six <laughs> foot, I never needed to wear heels anyway, but somehow I did. <laughs> I am never putting a pair of heels on in my life ever again. So um, my take to a conference, only flat shoes. Trainers at a dinner dance, whatever, it's all fine. That's, yeah. that's one that's staying for me. Well, you know, I see the last trade show I was at, you know, everybody was in trainers. Like, you know, men and women were all in trainers. And I think this whole thing of a traditional workout fit has now disappeared and people are absolutely fine with the casual, the semi-casual look. So, yeah, I would, even for, for guys wearing those leather shoes for a whole all day, I'd much yeah, rather... Of exactly. Mm -hmm. no, no. Mm -hmm. uh, Kim, what about yourself? Um, I guess flat shoes is a great one. I had the same problem just the other week when I um, was getting ready to go to a trade show and I... Yeah, outfits and flat shoes didn't work quite work out, so I had to go in heels, which was a struggle one day. But, um, I'd probably say, I'm between two, if I may, I'd maybe go with um, a charger. Um, let's face oh, it, we're all yeah, connected yeah, yeah. so much, aren't we? You know, people are using their uh, tablets or whatever for note-taking now. Um, so you just always have to be connected, don't you? Uh, the other one I was thinking is, you know, we probably all pack hand sanitizer more than we ever did before. <laughs> um, Definitely. We, we've all got it in our venues, but I don't know what it is. Everyone, you know, everyone takes it with them everywhere now. Yeah. So they'd probably be my things. No, that's good. And I think I'm going to add into that after the, the first trade show I ever did in a year and a half is Barocca. That is required to get you through those two couple of days <laughs> and one thing i will never take with me again is business cards they are gone they're done um well they will never make an appearance in my life ever again uh, so i need to find something else to carry during a drink reception to stop me from fidgeting all the time you are all incredibly successful you are leaders in our industry what has been your career highlight to date uh amanda why don't you kick that one off oh that's a good <laughs> question like, oh. um do you know, I, I think probably, I've had lots of career highlights, actually. I'm, I'm really lucky in, in, in my time in the ICC and before that pretty much I've always loved what I do. So there's different reasons for different moments. But I think the moment that I really wanted to pinch myself um, was when um, I was lucky enough to listen to Michelle Obama speak um, oh, here at the okay. ICC uh, a few years back. And... And, you know, it's ours is an amazing industry that you don't necessarily have to have come down an academic route. A lot of people 
come into hospitality events, tourism generally, uh, through a more vocational route. Um, so as somebody who left school at 16 and got told they needed to pay attention a bit more, you're going to end up as a waitress. Well, you know what? I did start as a waitress and it took me to amazing places. So yeah. the 15-year-old self wouldn't have believed that it was possible that you could work in one of the best convention centres in the world, in my opinion, in one of the most beautiful cities and one of the most beautiful countries and be sitting down at dinner listening to Michelle Obama. Yeah. So that was my career highlight. Absolutely. That's great. And that's the other thing that we've spoken about in previous podcasts um, is that this part of the industry is a lot of, well, back when we were all young, was a complete unknown. We had no idea that business events existed. We had no idea what route to get there. And it's some, I think it's something that's becoming more and more prevalent, but I think there's a, a huge amount of work to do to show just the length and breadth of where tourism, that tourism goes. Kim, what about your career highlight? It's a tricky one. Um, I would probably say looking back at when we opened the new venue, we sure, were transitioning sure. from one venue to another, um, running events up until July before we started running them again in a new space that you were, you know, at the final stages of commissioning in the September and starting with one of our biggest events. So yeah. you look back and you think, goodness, how did we how did we do that? But just being <laughs> part of something new and something exciting from the very beginning, um, you get you get the opportunity to really have your stamp on things and really be involved in you know things that you, you probably wouldn't have been if you come in a year later um, sure, and I think sure. that's you know that is something that I would say that every single member of our team who work here at Pain July would probably say because it's sometimes I, I guess Don you'll be feeling it just now with the preparation that's ongoing you know and the, the sort of the delivery of COP that sometimes you have those moments you think how how will we get there and then everything comes together you know that's the the kind of the spirit of events isn't it um yeah. so I, yeah i'd probably say the, the opening of the new venue oh no absolutely absolutely you know something that is going to make a, a massive impact in the area that you live and the, the people that you live with mm -hmm. so absolutely Don, I'm going to take a wee sneaky guess at what your career highlight possibly could be. <laughs> Anything to do with COP by any chance? <laughs> yeah, well, do you know, I think um, COP's wonderful. And it, I mean, that is a career defining moment. And it is something that I'll always be really proud to be associated with for, for my own personal goals, but, you know, for my the BSECs for Glasgow's for Scotland's, you know, this is this is off the scale. Um, but COP will come and go. Well, it's here and it will go. Um, what I think for me, my ongoing career highlight and probably what keeps me loving the job that I'm doing is working with the local ambassadors and working with experts in their field. I find that quite humbling. You get to meet individuals who are at the top of their game whatever that field might be it could be astronautical propulsion it could be breast cancer specialists they could be orthopedics they can be photonics and satellite specialists but they are at the top of their game and i have a bit of a thirst for knowledge i'm always there but how, how does that work and why does that work and i think the privilege of being able to sit down and have dinner with these people or travel with them and just get to know that that window into other other fields and other um, other communities is an ongoing highlight for me. Maybe it's because I'm nosy. Maybe that says more about me. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, else. not at all. But I just I think there's something really magical about yeah. that. 
No, absolutely. I mean, we're very privileged that we get a little glimmer, a little glimpse into completely different worlds. I always say that I know very little about a lot of different things because you just get Me those too. little snippets of things as you go. Mm -hmm. It makes dinner conversations very odd in my household because you just randomly start talking about soil scientists when my friends are talking about something on TV. Um, yeah. But no, absolutely, completely agree. Now, we're just about to go back into the session. Um, however, so quick fire round. You've had your time uh, for choosing three people, dead or alive, that you'd love to see as a keynote speaker. Don, on you go. I'm going with Barack Obama. Nice. I think he's super inspiring. Love and listen to his audiobook at the moment. KAD, I grew up just wanting to be KAD. And I think seeing a woman on the news when I was younger, I feel like Lise Doucette has maybe taken some of that, but I, I just thought she was phenomenal being a foreign correspondent um, on the news. And Emily Pankhurst, okay. if anybody's inspirational about equality and driving change and being brave, she's my yeah, woman. Absolutely. That's my three. Absolutely. I'll definitely come to those keynotes. You're very Amanda, welcome. what about yourself? <laughs> Amanda, what about you? I love it. We've got one in common, actually. So I had Emily Pankhurst as well. Yeah. Um, Excellent women's women's rights mm -hmm. and um, feminism generally is a topic that I've been interested in for years and years and years so I would have loved to have heard her um, on the similar vein Martin Luther King <gasps> civil rights yeah, yeah. totally yeah. heard him speak would have been something phenomenal um, and my last one was Dame Stella Remington um, who was actually a keynote speaker the first day I started here um, and I was getting the tour and just heard a tiny bit of her speaking in the Pentland and, and she was obviously the head of MI5 and I only heard a tiny bit and I was just blown away and captured by somebody else's world as we were just talking about and I would actually have loved to have heard the whole talk so she'd yeah. be my third. Absolutely, absolutely. This is going to be a little bit of a plug for PCMA but you're all members and if you go online for previous convening leaders there's uh, fantastic keynotes from Condoleezza Rice mm -hmm. uh, I always stumble over that name and also Billie Jean King and they were phenomenal. Oh, so Billie Jean King it. was yeah. amazing. I yeah. loved that. was a special moment listening absolutely. to her. She was great. Absolutely. Uh, Kim, Kim, what about yourself? So I'm going to, um, I guess, cover one that I would love to hear, and Amanda touched on them earlier. Um, I'd love to hear Michelle Obama. Like, yeah. I think she's hugely inspirational, perhaps a um, quite a straightforward um, choice, but I think she'd be brilliant to see um, in the flesh. Um, I think we've only got one other guy so far. Um, I actually thought someone like Prince William, okay. um, having somebody who's going to be a leader, um, you know, for a country or for a future monarch. Um, and I think um, of being of the generation who can really bring forward um, a different perspective on things. And, you know, he's going to be the person that everyone looks up to. So, um, and really yeah. relatable, I think, you know, from a royal perspective. So, um, yeah, and finally, yeah. from a, like a different generation perspective as well, Greta Thunberg. Oh, sure, think, sure, absolutely. You know, she's what she's done already, um, you know, going back to, you know, when she was sort of boycotting school to, you know, to protest. Um, I think there's there's a lot of people can learn from her. That, that, was, that was quite tough to think of in the short space of time, you know, <laughs> under pressure there, Dory. Oh, we, we like to give a few challenges out there, but yeah, no, principles, I think that's a really good thought process there, because, you know, of our generation going to go into a, a, a position of leadership, because normally we hear from people after they've been in the position of leadership. It'd be interesting to see what that, that looks like before you, you step in into that role. Thank you very much. Um, I think it's time to go back in. I hear the moderator of the next session is fabulous. So let's head in. The next session is about to begin. Please make your way back to the auditorium.
So the last 18 months have created some incredible challenges. Um, we are moving forward with a lot of hope. We're moving forward with a lot of innovation and a lot of redefining what our industry does for society. Is there anything specific that you can think of over, say, the last 18 months-ish uh, that you want to keep, you want to take forward and you want to drive that into the next couple of years or into the next decade? Kim, what's your what's your thoughts in Aberdeen? There's a few things that we've been having conversations about with the client, and I think the, the key one on this that we've all experienced over the last sort of 18 months has been the virtual element or you know what has now become the hybrid. And I suppose I was going to flip this around a wee bit in the sense that kind of on the you know, you say, what do you think will continue forward? Well, one thing I think that won't stay and won't stick around for everyone is hybrid. We've already seen a couple of really interesting takes on the hybrid model and what works. Because let's face it, we're all in the business of face-to-face, right? We've spoken about it already, getting people together and, and what you can achieve when you're in a room together is is crazy different. Um, and I think, you know, we've seen already with the British Orthopaedic Association making the, the stance on choosing to record, but not choosing to go hybrid and live stream. Um, and I think it's an interesting take because we have another client who did, did choose to stream, which was great. But actually, there's a lot of there's a lot of commitment from organisers around delivering a face to face event. And as we know, the exhibition element of part of, is a huge part of being able to facilitate that. And we've seen over the last 18 months that whilst some technical conferences and um, have worked in a virtual method, I, I really think the exhibition element has been really, really difficult to execute successfully. And we've been quite, quite surprised, perhaps is the best way of putting it, about what clients are saying about hybrid going forward. Some will have a place for it. Absolutely, it connects people. It will open audiences into different countries or different time zones, what have you. But I think that it perhaps won't stick around as, as much as we perhaps initially thought it would. I don't know if you guys think the same in, in Glasgow and Edinburgh, but it's just, it's been a really interesting take we've had in this in the last couple of weeks. What an interesting take, because I've not heard that one before. But I suppose, as you say, it's going to depend on industries and what works best with those audiences. And I suppose it's also, you know, what does hybrid mean in a future? Because we were discussing earlier today that actually there's no such thing as hybrid. You have one audience of face-to-face, you have other one audience at home, and therefore it's a face-to-face conference and a broadcast uh, rather than, you know, trying to just replicate what's happening in a conference centre um, at home. So, yeah, I am going to go throw that right back out to see what Amanda and Don think. Um, um, Amanda, what's your thoughts? It's interesting, actually. I think you're right. I think as the reality of what this is, is now upon us, and um, there's different takes. Um, I think long term, I think it'll vary for different people on occasion, but um, I actually think it's around content creation. Um, so I think the conference, as you say, when you capture the conference and, you know, the brilliant keynotes and some of the sessions and view them as content, that's then content that those associations and clients can use that will live well beyond the conference, sure. perhaps in a way that we never did before. So I actually think what used to be hybrid in some way may become content creation that keeps alive that association and its outputs yeah. for the 12 months in between at meets, for example. So I think there's that change. Um, I also think perhaps at the beginning, people thought it was exactly the same experience online. And it really isn't, um, you know, nobody's going to want to sit for three, four days, eight hours a day, or that's unfair. Maybe somebody does, but but very few will. And, and it's, I have it, not met one of those people yeah, yet. No, <laughs> me neither. Um, but, uh, you know, I think there there could be a place for some sessions being online and some access perhaps in 
to delegates that would never have been there. You know, that's really powerful, reaching places and people who would never have been there before. So there's a place yeah. for that. But I, I think I, I believe I'm probably almost where you are, Kim. Um, I think it's going to become about content creation that will keep the messages of the conference alive long after it's finished in the future. Yeah. Maybe not right now, but in the future. Sure, sure. And I think if you have that content creation available, you know, for access to the masses, that's already ticking one of the UN SDGs by reducing inequalities for anybody who can't attend those events, anybody who can't, uh, who maybe comes from a part of the world that um, they can't afford to travel or there's visa issues because of political systems. If that information is available online, then you are reducing inequalities by still giving access to educational content or whatever it might be to everybody from all parts of the planet. Um, Don, what's your thoughts? Rory, you're taking the words right out of my mouth. It's a quality oh, so of choice. No, not at all. Not at all. It, it is that, in my opinion, it's a quality of choice. I think that when clients were forced to go wholly virtual during the pandemic, there are so many um, success stories in terms of an increase in audience reach, which is sort of my point from earlier that's that's yeah. an association's why and i think it will be challenging says me for an association to go back to come back from that you know how do you go i mean microsoft for example had a i think it was cited at the ICA congress in 2020 their growth in participation and particularly from the african regions because suddenly this content and education was accessible um, i also think depending on where a delegate is in their career life cycle and being able to attend meetings, but also in their personal life, you know, where you have caring responsibilities. If you're a mum with a young child, it might be quite difficult to go to a conference for four days, whereas suddenly now you can access that content. Now, whether it's live streamed or whether it's the on-demand viewing, I think the definition of hybrid we could get lost in. I think the future is face-to-face meetings. I think the appetite for face-to-face meetings remains really strong, but I think every meeting now will have... It's, as Amanda, Amanda was saying, that consideration of how do we extend the life of this content and therefore maintain contact with our members over a 12-month or a 24-month period. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's that That was a, a really interesting thing. Yeah, absolutely. The definition of hybrid, what it's going to look like, yeah. how it's going to be delivered. Um, I completely agree with all of you that that's going to be revisited time and time again as things start to open up, as the world changes. And yeah, our definition of it or our understanding of it is going to be completely different. Um, which is exciting and absolutely, um, I'm sure we all agree passionately, but we're also very biased that there's nothing beats face to face. So unfortunately, we've come to the end of this podcast. For all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. To Amanda, to Kim and to Dawn, thank you so much for that fascinating insight into your environment and into your world. Stay tuned for the next podcast. We have one every day of COP26. Take care. This brings our session to a close. We hope you've enjoyed it. And we'll join us again next time when we'll be discussing finance. Thank you for attending today's session. See you soon.